Thank you, Crystal. If you have a Bible, which I hope you do in some, some format, turn to Isaiah chapter 59. Isaiah chapter 59. We're going to be looking at something. What was that? Anyway, we're going to be looking at something this morning that I think all of us probably have thought about or uh, at least uh, looked at when it comes to just the idea of truth. Uh, I, I've had a lot of people uh, really... Uh, text me or uh, email me this past week or talk to me about the sermon last week. And, and one of the things that I kept hearing through many of your conversations was this whole idea of, you know, thank you for helping us realize that we need to get back to truth, to get back to God's word when it comes to everything that we're seeing out there in our society and in our nation. And, and I think it's something I want to continue today. So today we're looking at the whole idea of mixed messages regarding truth. And I think we definitely have that. So let me give you the sermon intro. How does a follower of Jesus identify truth in a fallen world of mixed messages? And of course, those messages are out there. I think every one of you would know that. The obvious answer is God's word and what the follower of Jesus believes about it. Is it truly God's word? That's really what it comes down to, is if you're going to build your life on God's word, if, you, if you're going to say, okay, yeah, this is truth for me, this is the standard of truth, and I'm going to judge everything out there that says it's truth against this truth, then, then you really need to know what it says. And you need to know how to communicate that to your children and grandchildren is important. That we understand that he created us, he revealed himself to us, he revealed what truth is, he died to make us whole, and that you are now capable of knowing him and his truth. Look at this next introduction here. That was the series introduction. This is the sermon uh, introduction here. The foundational truth of, in the Christian faith is that there is one God who has revealed truth and one can know him. However, the modern Western culture has rejected God's truth and has, has even reversed good and evil, resulting in the unraveling of Western society. Now, I think many of us would look at this and say, you know something, I, I, I see what you're saying. I, I see the foundations of, of what we once believed as a nation is changing. And, and some of that, you may say, is maybe for the good. And I agree. There are some things out there that, that we have obviously overlooked over the generations of our nation that we should, we should have been paying more attention to. There's things that we should have looked at and denounced. But there's also things that are out there that are moving us in a direction away from the standard of God's Word. And that's the part that I want us to look at this morning. Isaiah 5 says this. Look here on the screen. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and clever in their own sight. Have you ever met anybody like that? You ever met anybody who's wise in their own eyes and, and, and they got it all figured out? And if you don't believe them, just ask them. They'll tell you. Well, that's where a lot of people are right now. And a lot of people, they're not basing it on the truth of God's Word. So how have we as a society gotten to the place that we're at? The entire chapter of Isaiah of chapter 59 is devoted to defining and exposing the sins of a nation. And, and, and many of us, and I've heard many people say, well, the Bible's really out of date when you think about it. I mean, this thing was written, well, what we're looking at today was written 2,600 years ago. How can that speak to today? Well, let's read it and see if it speaks to today. Isaiah chapter 59, verse 1. 
Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot save, nor his ear heavy, that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated you from your God, and your sins has hidden his face from you, so that he will not hear. For your hands are defiled with blood, and your fingers with iniquity, your lips have spoken lies, your tongue has muttered perversity. No one calls for justice. It's the idea to, to, to make something right. No one's calling for someone to make it right. Nor does anyone plead for truth. They trust in empty words. We hear a lot of that this day and age, rhetoric, empty words, and speak lies. They conceive evil and bring forth iniquity. They hatch vipers' eggs and weave the spider's web. He who eats of their eggs dies, and from that which is crushed, a viper breaks out. We'll talk more about that in just a moment. Their webs will not become garments. It's that uh, the outcomes don't cover, so to speak. Nor do they cover themselves with their works. Their works are works of iniquity, and the act of violence is in their hands, and their feet run to evil. This verse is speaking of intentional rebellion. It's basically the idea, I want what I want. And he's calling that out. He goes on in verse 7 and says, They make haste to shed innocent blood. Their thoughts are thoughts of iniquity. Wasting and destruction are in their paths. The way of peace they have not known. And there's no justice in their ways. They've made themselves crooked paths. That means there's really no track to truth anymore. Whoever takes that way shall not know peace. That literally is an idea of being overtaken by deception. Therefore, justice is far from us, nor does righteousness overtake us. We look for light, but there is darkness. For the brightness, but we walk in, bl in blackness. Look at verse 14, and here's the key. Justice is turned back. It's the idea we've become a society of sin. And righteousness stands afar off, for truth is fallen in the streets. That literally means that truth no longer occupies the open public places of that society. For truth has fallen in the streets and equity cannot enter. There's nothing prosperous that is now coming from it. Now, how many of you, again, as I said last week, are so encouraged by God's word this morning so far? You know, when we look at things like this, we have to, and, and this is what I tell people, and, and, and I'll be honest with you, I've asked a lot of people to pray for me during this month because I'm dealing with issues that are not fun to deal with. They're not popular issues. Uh, no one wants to hear some of the things that I'm talking about. But let me just say this. This is the full counsel of God's Word, and we must look at the, the all-encompassing God's Word. It can't just be the good parts. We have to look at it all, and that's what we're doing this morning. In Isaiah 59.5, when it speaks of a viper, it's a poisonous snake is what it actually is. Isaiah is saying the people of Israel were eating these poisonous snakes. Now, when it comes to these uh, snake eggs, when it comes to these eggs, it's, it's actually, and could be translated, these deadly philosophies, these lies that have come to replace truth. The ideas and philosophies that have been spawned by the enemy, swallowed by a nation that have separated that nation from its God. And there's something that I think we need to look at. How did we get this far? How has it come about? 
Well, I think, based on what I know about history and what I've studied about uh, great influencers of the past, over the last 200 years, there have been four men of great influence that have shaped American ideals. The first was George Hegel. He was the father of Hegelian philosophy. He literally put forth the idea that there were no moral absolutes, that there's no absolutes of right and wrong, that there is nothing that is absolutely right nor absolutely wrong. Therefore, there is no standard of truth, and that would include God's Word. And so we see it begins to take its shape as, as far back as a couple hundred years ago. And we begin to see this mindset creep into our nation, and basically it's yelling, there is no absolute truth, which we would call God's truth, and everything is relative. Ludwig Feuerbach, Feuerbach he, brought into, he bought into this philosophy, and then he asked the question, if there's no standard of truth, if there's no God, then where do we get the idea of God and his truth? Feuerbach said that man wanted a God, so he created a God in his own image. He basically goes on to say that Christianity is something that's been made up by man to use as a crutch. Charles Darwin comes on the scene father of evolution. He wrote many books talking about evolution. Uh, from all his writings, you put it all together, and this is what he was just basically saying. All life just happened. All things evolved from an ooze, then smaller organisms, and billions of years later, from random selection, now we have what we see, including us. From his thought, we have the theory of evolution. And with a theory of evolution, there is no creator, and therefore, for us, there's really no true purpose, because we just randomly appeared. You see where we can get lost in all that? It goes on to Sigmund Freud, who basically came on the scene to say that man is chiefly motivated by pleasure, that everything begins and ends with sex. If a man is repressed or a person is repressed by society and, can, and he can and or she not express his or her desires, then that will result in unhappiness and possibly some form of mental illness. The answer and fulfillment to all of life, listen, is not living by God's word, but by the phrase or by the idea, if it feels good, do it. You're only accountable to yourself. No matter how perverse it may be or how it affects the rest of society. Now, what happens when you begin to lay tracks like that in a nation? When people are not only reading this, they're buying into it. Guess what happens? You begin to build and move further and further into deception. And, and all that has brought us this. And we said this last week. No absolute truth, which is no standard of, of truth. No God, no, which is no hope. A godless society where there's no accountability. Evolution, not creation. That throws out the idea that there's any kind of purpose. That creation does bring purpose, however. Pleasure, not responsibility, and there is no restraint. The outcome, deception, death, and disaster. So how do we not fall into that? We've got 200 years of something that's been in the making. And, and, and let me just say this. Uh, I, I believe the enemy wants to, to destroy, don't you? I mean, the Bible says he does. Jesus called him out. He said he only comes to kill, steal, and destroy. 
That's his only purpose is to, to do that. And how does he do that? He does it through lies and deception. And we have bought in. So how do we recognize the truth from the lie? How do we do that in this day and age? Where there are some ideas that are being proposed today in the name of tolerance, diversity, and political correctness that are truly absurd. Here's some of those thoughts. One religion is just as good or credible as another. Can I tell you that that's not even logical? Especially when one says truth is this and another one says truth is this, and they're opposite and they're going in different directions. How can that even be logical to call both truth? It's not even logical to do that when one speaks one way and one the other. How about this? A woman has the right to choose as it relates to her pregnancy. How about this one? Evolution is a scientific fact, while creation is an outdated religious myth. All truth is relative, and the most important virtue then is tolerance. Here's one. Any sexual expression be, be, between consenting adults is healthy. Racial prejudice can and will only be resolved by government regulation. Doesn't happen that way. That's not, we're talking about, in this case, we're talking about heart matters that need to be changed. The environment is sacred, and animals are as important as humans. How many of you are kind of seeing that on the horizon? Now, I know a lot of you think about your little Phoebe or whatever you call your dog or and your beast cat or whatever it is. I, I know we get real close to our animals. We've been real close to. But let me just say that, say this, that human beings are the crown of God's creation. And there's a purpose and there's something to it. And when we begin to elevate one above the other, we have problems. I want to I close this section as we move into these, these, uh, the truth versus the lie. 19th century American psychologist William James once said this, and you've heard this before. There is no idea so absurd that if repeated often enough will eventually come to be believed. Are we seeing that today? I mean, it's amazing how naive we've become. It's amazing what we will truly believe. These ideas are being repeated so often and so effectively that people, even Christians, have come to accept many things in our society as truth, regardless of how preposterous they may be. It is so important that we have the discernment to identify the lies and be able to counter them with God's Word. And that's what we're called to do. But we got to know God's Word. So what are, there's five truths I want to bring out this morning that I believe are crucial that we got to start with when it comes to putting God's Word up against the lies of society. So the first thing we see is, number one, biblical truth teaches that God uniquely created the universe and each person in it. The foundation of the biblical worldview is a belief in God who was and is our creator. Where do we get that from? The very first book of the Bible. The very first verse. In the beginning, what? God created the heavens and the earth. In Psalms 139, listen to this. It says that we are wonderfully and fearfully made. When we read something like this, we see that God designed us, gave us certain things, put that in us, and there is a purpose behind our existence. When we see order in creation, a person with any common sense would assume there is a designer. 
And that's what the Christian faith communicates. That's what we hold to be truth. But a secular, secular lie teaches that the earth and people are the products of millions of years of evolution. Matter of fact, let me just say this about your children going off to college. If they go to a liberal university, you know, you know, do you know what every discipline in that university is going to come from? It's going to come from the theory of evolution. Every discipline will be built upon the theory of evolution. You see, we have so many mixed signals out there. There's so many different things. Frank Peretti, many of you know the name. He's an author, and he once said about the the whole idea of the craziness of evolution. Here's what he said. It's kind of like from goo to you by way of the zoo. <laughs> Many have believed this because it's more convenient to believe we evolved than to be accountable to a creator. And I believe that's really what it comes down to. Number two, biblical truth teaches that God established absolute standards for people to live by. Now, what are we talking about? Well, there's three verses in Scripture that we can pull up. Uh, there are many, actually. But the first one is Exodus 20, verse 1. And God spoke all these words, saying, and he's about to give the Ten Commandments. In John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. When he said he was the truth, he's literally saying, I am the embody embodiment of truth. You can't separate me from God's truth. It's also a form of saying that he was the, the perfect revelation from God. And what he said and what he did was truth. Was truth. And we see that in Scripture. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. That means it's God-breathed. It started with God. It's going to end with God. And it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Why? That the man of God, the, the person of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. You see, we therefore learn that God's will, listen, and God's desire for us is not, does not come by speculation and evolution, but by revelation. He's revealed himself to creation. But the secular lie teaches that there are no absolutes with truth and that people set their own rules. And this has been 200 years in the making. And it continues. Let, I want to do something I've never done before. I, I want to tell you about a documentary that's out there that is put together by a secular audience. And, and here's what you're going to find in this documentary. Matter of fact, your homework is to try to see this documentary. I, what I want you to notice in it is there's no talk of God in the whole documentary. But here's what's happening in our society. Even the secularists are looking at this whole idea of relative truth, that truth can be one thing over here and one thing over here and this over there and that over there. They're even rethinking that themselves. And it'll blow your mind, some of the things you'll hear. What you'll hear in this documentary are literally people who work for all the social media outlets, Facebook, Google, Instagram, you name it. These are the people who actually set up the structures for these outlets of social media who no longer work at these places any longer because ethically they felt they couldn't do it any longer because there was something that was going on behind the scenes, something that they do say they're responsible for, but now they're speaking out against 
The documentary is, is, is phenomenal. It'll open your eyes. And, and I'm not trying to put a conspiracy theory in front of you. Matter of fact, I'm not one on big conspiracy theories. But I will tell you this. The reason I know this is not a conspiracy theory is because the people who create it are now speaking against it. And it all comes, the whole conversation with the whole documentary comes about this idea of truth. That's the underline. Who are you going to believe? What are you going to believe? And how do you believe what's presented to you? I want to show you. And by the way, let me say this. This just came out a couple months ago. It's rated PG-13. Now, let me tell you a little bit about it. I recommend you as parents look at it before you sit down with your kids and look at it. There is some profanity and there's some violent uh, uh, footage. And yes, even they talk about evolution and how it's come to this. But I want you to look at it to, so you can understand what's really behind things. Go ahead and play it clip here <clears throat> when you go to google and type in climate change is you're going to see different results depending on where you live and the particular things that google knows about your interests that's not by accident that's a design technique what i want people to know is that everything they're doing online is being watched is being tracked every single action you take is carefully monitored and recorded a lot of people think Google's just a search box and Facebook's just a place to see what my friends are doing. What they don't realize is there's entire teams of engineers whose job is to use your psychology against you. I was the co-inventor of the Facebook like button. I was the president of Pinterest. Google, Twitter, Instagram. There were meaningful changes happening around the world because of these platforms. I think we were naive about the flip side of that coin. We get rewarded by parts, likes, thumbs up, and we conflate that with value and we conflate it with truth. A whole generation is more anxious, more depressed. I always felt like fundamentally it was a force for good. I don't know if I feel that way anymore. Facebook discovered that they were able to affect real world behavior and emotions without ever triggering the user's awareness. They are completely clueless. Fake news spreads six times faster than true news. We're being bombarded with rumors. If everyone's entitled to their own facts, there's really no need for people to come together. In fact, there's really no need for people to interact. We have less control over who we are and what we really believe. If you want to control the population of your country, there has never been a tool as effective as Facebook. We built these things and we have a responsibility to change it. The intention could be, how do we make the world better? If technology creates mass chaos, loneliness, more polarization, more election hacking, more inability to focus on the real issues, we're toast. This is checkmate on humanity. Those people that you saw talking, the talking heads here in the video, were all people who helped design the social media apps and everything. They were actually behind the scenes developing these things. And what this documentary will do, it will reveal to you how you begin to understand and perceive what truth is by the way they engage with you. And they can change your perception of truth. They'll talk greatly about that in this uh, documentary. I want you to listen to some of the quotes that you'll hear in the documentary that will blow your mind. Uh, here, here's what they say about the product they created. 
Social media doesn't have a proxy for truth that's better than a click. You know what a click is, right? Click, you open something up. Here's another one. We are puppets in the hands of technology in the hands of social media outlets. If we don't agree on what is true, this is what blew my mind. If we don't agree on what is true, this is what they said. This is not someone speaking about absolute truth from God's word. Here's what they said. If we don't agree on what is true or that there is any such thing as, as truth, we're toast. This is the problem beneath other problems. If we don't agree on what is true, then we can't navigate out of any of our problems as individuals or as a nation. Boy, that says a lot, doesn't it? Coming from the secular world, coming from the minds that have created all the things that, we, that consumes our attention, this is what they're coming to understand. Algorithms and manipulative politicians are becoming so ex expert at learning how to trigger us and getting so good at creating fake news that we absorb it as if it were reality and confusing into believing those lies. That's what they're saying. It is as though we have less, con this blew my mind, this is, it is as though as we have, left, we have less control over who we are and what we really believe. You know why? Because we're being conditioned. We're being conformed to the world. You could say, and you'll hear it from them, we're being programmed. I know you're sitting there and you're saying, man, he is, he's drinking the Kool-Aid. Bless his heart. No, it's real, y'all. It's real. If anything, this documentary, I was telling Maynard this morning, if anything, this documentary has put words and thoughts to things I've been thinking for a long time. And it is eye-opening. And I encourage you to listen to it. Here's what really got me. Most of those interviewed who created all this said this. I don't let my children have access to social media. They're the ones that created it. We as a society are now just getting into the consequences and fruits of relative truth. Now, let me say this. I think social media can be used in a great way. This morning, matter of fact, we are, we are putting out a live stream on Facebook. It can be used in a great way. So I'm not saying all this and all that, but we better be careful what we entertain in our minds because what is in our minds makes its way to our hearts. And what makes our ways to, us, to our hearts is, is where truth should come from, but there's a lot of deception that's planted there too. And we better be careful. And let me just say this. If you're a parent or a grandparent or whatever, or you got some say-so in a child's life, you need to see this before you give them any access to social media. You say, boy, you're selling this. No, my, I, my eyes have been open to some things that I knew were there. I just couldn't put my thoughts around it. You better pay attention. It's like Isaiah said, 2,600 years ago, truth has fallen in the streets. Truth is no longer in the public arena. It's all secular driven. Number three, biblical truth teaches that people are sinful. The Bible says very clearly, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Now think of this. When Adam and Eve fell into sin, the entire world became contaminated 
with the sin virus. Let me tell you what it came down to. Eve's in the, in the garden. The serpent comes and basically wants to replace the truth that she knew with a lie. And, and here's what sold her on the lie. She thought she knew what was best for her more than God thought what was best for her. That's really what it came down to. And that's what it comes down for a lot of us. We think we know what's best for us instead of checking with the creator and the one who died for us to see what does he say is best for me or for us. That's led to a secular lie that teaches that people are basically good. I don't know about you, but I know a lot of good people. I know a lot of people, good people in the Christian faith. I know, I know some people that are outside the faith that, that appear to be good people. But the bottom line is that's not what the Bible says about us. It says there's sin. There's something that comes up short. Basically, it's this. If we believe this to its fullest extent, we believe that good people are capable of creating a utopia where all behave properly. The secular lie teaches that if we create the right environment or the right government, people will respond lovingly and peacefully because through the process of evolution, people are getting better. You agree with that? In the documentary, The Social Dilemma, you will hear that at first, they thought what they were creating was a gift to humanity. They really did. In some aspects, there's some good things about it. They had no idea where it would lead. They, had, they themselves that created had no idea where, where it would lead. Those were good people, creating a good thing, at least on the surface. But guess what? Everything in, in this world we know that's man-made is fallen. Don't we agree with that? And it, it can be easily used by the enemy to accomplish his purposes and his truth and his deception. It's amazing when you think about it. Number four, biblical truth teaches that God came to earth in the form of Jesus to reveal his plan and die for the sins of others. The Bible is very clear in Romans 5, 8 that that's true. But God demonstrates his own love towards us. And while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Now think about this. It is logical that when God created man, he desired to communicate and fellowship with him. But man wasn't capable of discovering God on his own. So God came down to earth, revealed himself in a way that man could know God. Jesus did that. That's what his whole revelation was. But secular lie teaches that Jesus was a good teacher, founder of one of the world's major religions, but his word is not superior, superior to any other religious leader. You go out there and, and say, communicate that, you probably get a lot of amen. Yeah, all of them had something good to say. And some of them may have said the very thing that Jesus said. There's some that do line up, up to a certain extent. But you got to understand, Jesus was the epitome of truth. Why he said was. He says that in his word. So many times it comes up short. Number five, biblical truth teaches that through Jesus Christ, there is hope of life after death. How many of you are grateful for that? Martha at the tomb of Lazarus said this to Jesus, or Jesus said this to her. You remember she was, she was really having a hard time with her brother's death. Here's what he said. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. He shall live. 
The follower of Jesus has hope for a life beyond the grave. But secular law teaches that a person cannot know what lies beyond the grave. They would say death is a mystery. They would say there are no assurances. They would say there's no ultimate meaning, that there's no real hope, that life will ultimately end in despair. You say, why would you communicate all this? You make it sound so bad. Listen, that's what man-made thoughts, that's what man-made truth creates, are these kind of lies. If you don't believe that God has the power to raise the dead, life ends in sadness and despair, then all the world becomes not important if he didn't die. But if he did die and was resurrected, that's a pretty big deal. And we have a world that wants to squelch the message. Ultimately, the point of view, when we believe there's nothing after the grave, here's what we need to understand. The point of view really leads to self-indulgence. This world is all that matters. The banner of this mindset is life is too short not to be happy. My existence is too short, so live it up. That's what has to come from That's what comes from it, if this is it. But we know there is more to come. Now, how do we counter these lies? How do we respond to these lies? I want you to think about this. In your own mind, let, let me just ask you this. How many of you, and be honest when you, when you put your hand up, if you do, how many of you know that there was a time in your life where you believed a lie and then you, a truth came along and you believed it and, and learned that it was a lie? Any of you? Well, it's probably all, it's all of us if we come to know Christ, right? And that's the way it should be. But the thing we need to understand is how do we respond to it? How do we get to the point where we can receive something different than what we already believe? How, how do we replace the lie for the truth? Well, number one, you got to be humble. You got to be humble. Accept God's revealed word as truth. But there's a lot of people out there that say the truth that they believe or what they've hung on to or what they, they elevate that above God's word. Number two, be courageous. Sometimes you got to be courageous. Second Peter, excuse me, Second Timothy chapter 3. If you, if you have a Bible, go ahead and turn there. I want to show you something there. But as you turn, listen to this. It is difficult to stand for truth in our day. How many of you agree with that? It really takes courage. It really does. And, and to be courageous, you have to be assured of it. I mean, that's so true. That's the reason I've asked many people to pray for me this month. And there's another couple of sermons to come. And, and some, of the, some of the stuff's heavy that I'm talking about. And it's not the fun part of the Bible to teach, I'll be honest with you. But, but I'm here to tell you that, that we need to realize that we need to be assured of what we know. And the only reason I'm willing to take this kind of risk for myself or have the courage to do it is because I'm assured of what God's Word says. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, I want you to look at verse 12. Some of you are familiar with this. Paul's writing to Timothy. Let me tell you what I think is going on. Timothy, I think, is discouraged. Timothy is probably like a lot of pastors or people who are standing up for truth. And even in this day, he's discouraged by what he's seeing around him. Does anybody even care? They don't, they don't listen. But what, listen to what Paul says in verse 12 of 2 Timothy chapter 3. He says, yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. But evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. 
But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, of knowing from whom you believe them. Verse 15, and that from childhood you've known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Paul's telling Timothy, get back to what you know is true. Sure, you're discouraged. Sure, no one seems to answer or, or, or listen to you. And then he goes in chapter 4, verse 2, he says, preach the word. Be ready in season, out of season, convince, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they want to hear what they want to hear, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. Y'all, that's what we're seeing in our day and age. And I'm here to tell you, those lies and a lot of that deception is very convincing. Very convincing. Especially, and I hate to keep referring to this documentary, especially when you, when you look at what, is, what kind of extent they're going to to bring the deception. It's a pretty big deal. And there's a lot of people who are falling for what is out there. It's amazing when you think about it. How do you respond to the lies? You got to be diligent. You got to be diligent. Give children a biblical foundation of truth. And, and let me tell you what I, I used to think if you just speak the truth in their life, speak the truth in their life, but, and, and that's true. We, we need to do that. But we also need to help them to understand the lies, to understand the lies, and maybe even where it comes from. And, and so we as parents are making a big mistake if we think our children share our values automatically because we take them to church and set a good example uh, that they are being inundated with a secular worldview every day in their normal environment, every day. And I hate to say this, but one hour with Corby and a brief Bible study at night ain't going to get it. It's not going to get it. You, you got to put it before them. You got to live it out in front of them. Time Magazine, listen to this, predicted 90 years ago that the citizens of the 21st century will have no true knowledge of God, no interest in God, and no need of God. That was said 90 years ago. Schools in the near future will teach Christian mythology, much like we were taught about Roman and Greek mythology. Is that not happening? So how do we make it real for our children? Straight out of the Bible, Deuteronomy chapter 6. You shall love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And these words I command you to pray today, uh, you, today shall be in your heart. You shall, here it is, you shall teach them diligently to your children. And how do you do that? He doesn't end there. He doesn't say, okay, teach them. How do you do it? You'll talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down. When you rise up, you're interactive with the truth with your children. You're teaching them as you go. As you encounter a lie, you replace it with the truth. As you walk in, in this world, there's times where you just, you got to put your faith as a demonstration before your children. Sometimes you got to bring them into the prayers for the family and say, you know something? We need to pray as a family about this. We need to really think about this. We need to see how God can do in this situation when we lift it up to him. That needs to be the language of the home. Responding to the lies, be confident. God's truth will prevail in the end. How many of you know that to be true? Listen to what it says in Matthew. Heaven and earth will pass away, 
But Jesus said, my words will by no means pass away. So here is the application. A person can suppress the truth, laugh at the truth, ignore the truth, and exchange the truth of God for a lie. But all will be judged by it. We're going to be judged by this truth. The bottom line, if a person believes there is a God who created all, then they know they must be accountable to him. Therefore, the goal is to erase and explain away the concept of a creator. And then here's a conclusion. The greater the chasm between secular lies and biblical truth, the greater opportunity for persecution which therein leads to a greater chance of compromising and even conceding to secular lies. Y'all, we've been called as followers of Jesus not to fit in, <laughs> but to raise the banner of truth around us. The Bible says, as we said last week, that we are called to have influence. We're to be salt and light. We're called to represent truth. We're called to acknowledge it and know it and pass it down to the next generation. Would you pray with me? Father, we just come to you right now. and Lord, we realize there are so many things out there in front of us when it comes to your truth. And, and so many things seem so contrary to, to what we know about you. Father, I pray, Lord, that we will take note of these things, that we, we will understand that there's a system that's out there that's working against your truth. Father, I know that it, the, the heart of it began with the enemy himself, and it just continues to be brought before us, something that started as far back as 200 years ago. And now we're seeing what's been conceived, what the fruit is of those lies from 200 years ago, and what it's created. Father, I just pray, Lord, for our nation, Lord, that you'll help us as a nation to, to get back to understanding what your truth is all about. Father, I pray for us as individuals that we, uh, who call ourselves followers of Jesus, that we would be exactly that, a follower of Jesus, to live out his principles, to live out his truth. Father, I just pray you'll give us the diligence and the courage to live truth. And Father, if there's someone here today that maybe the deception has, maybe they're just now for the first time seeing just how deceived they are when we, when, now that we've held that up to your truth. Father, I pray that before they leave here today that they would talk to someone where we can talk to them about your truth and, and the hope that comes from your truth. Father, we thank you for what you're going to do. And Father, I pray for parents, Lord, that you give them wisdom to know how to navigate these waters of lies when it comes to their children, Father. That you'll help them to understand that their identity is not what social media or the people on the, uh, on the other side of social media says that they are. That they will understand and they teach their children that who they are in you, Father. We pray that, Father. We just pray that you'll give us your wisdom and discernment. In Jesus' name, amen.